Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's Strength in the Number show. Now when it comes to your spreadsheets, do you have a good sense of your one version of the truth, your red book, your bible, your single source of truth? Because given that the use of spreadsheets is so pervasive nowadays, it can really hurt our credibility as accountants and finance professionals if we don't seem to have the right numbers. And that's why I brought on today's guest mentor, Brian Donnelly, who leads a fintech company and shares many stories from his customer encounters. Uh, Some are very, very funny, but most of his customers would be accountants and finance professionals who, as Brian rightly says, are, you know, we're very bright, uh, but we have this ongoing challenge with the use of our spreadsheets that that do lead to some very interesting outcomes and challenges, particularly on the process and technological side that that Brian helps solve. But he also, I quite like the fact that he goes on to the people side and the importance of people as well in our discussion. Uh, We also discuss uh, the two minimum criteria to look for when hiring great people, uh, why the entire world of finance is built upon spreadsheets and the tension finance therefore has with IT uh, over their use, and also why finance are sometimes guilty of underselling our impact. So look, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I did. Brian is an absolute blast. Fantastic stories, great career, and uh, great humor as well. And if you did enjoy the episode, please let your friends and colleagues know. Um, they can subscribe on all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And that's enough for me. So again, thank you very much for your listening in and investing your time with us today. So without further ado, over to the show. Uh, I did a computer science degree and uh, my first job when I qualified was I was dragged down to the British Inland Revenue HMRC in uh, Sunny Worthing and just for three months to do a project. But I stayed three years, had a, I had a great time and uh, built databases for catching crooks and all this other kind of stuff. And uh, while I was there, they, you know, more needs for things came up and I just brought in a buddy to help me so that was the start of my first company so we were a two-man consulting band then three then five then about 30 people all doing implementations of complicated database systems and then we built a system for a big finance house and uh, a Silicon Valley investor heard about us Brentwood Venture Capital and long story short they invested three million dollars which at the time Going back 20 years, I thought it was more money than there is in the world, but how, <laughs> how wrong I was. So part of that deal was that they wanted me to come and uh, move out to Silicon Valley to uh, Palo Alto, uh, which I'd only ever heard about. And uh, I went on the Monday, and uh, literally, and my lovely kids, I left them in school in London. I went out to Silicon Valley and... Uh, Things happened at a phenomenal speed. It was like whitewater rafting, which is they do that. So they give you this money, you get into a board meeting, and then it's uh, so here's this money, you got to spray money at the problem. You know, here's your first hire, a CFO, who amazingly enough was a 
SEMA management accountant from Liverpool, Silicon Valley. Who knew? Who could make this up? And then we went from you know 20, 30 of us to 160 team in America, Britain, France, Germany, Australia, and so on, and 70 odd customers and 123 million cap value. And it just, you know, just happened. There was no skill, it was just it's um, when you start raising money out there, things happen really quickly. So um, that was a bit of a ramble. Does it give you a, a backgrounder to what we've done? Yeah, d- definitely. And I, I suppose in terms of that journey between the inland revenue HMRC in yes. the UK over to uh, what a coincidence meeting a, a management accountant from Liverpool in uh, Silicon Valley. Yeah, and he's still he's still a great buddy and an investor in my current company, Synapse. But when we were raising a lot of money, sorry to interrupt you, we so we'd be going out on the uh, it's normally called the East Coast West Coast tour. So you'd you'd uh, go to the East Coast. And it sounds like out of the movies, but they've got specialist stretch limos, uh, Lincoln Continentals that pick you up from the airport. They drive you, you can't park, you can't drive a park in America. So when you're seeing about 10, 12 VC investment houses in a day, the limo drops you down at the bottom of a big skyscraper. You go in with your investment banker with my scouser sitting right next to me. And you was up to the 23rd floor and you get in the States. It's also quick, you know, boom, boom, boom. You know, here's our deal. Here's a pitch. So there's me with my strange accent and a scouser talking to Americans. And uh, actually, they loved it. Uh, you know? So we raised 51 million US dollars in equity funding over a period. And yeah, it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. It, it, it sounds it sounds like there's great stories in it. And really what I was going to ask, like, is it was, it was, what would be sort of one story that or, or experience that stands out to you that you could share with the audience that might actually help them in their, their finance career, something that you might have learned in that journey that's quite uh, poignant for us? Well, I'll do one. I touched on this with you. So one of the most successful companies in America is called Affymetrics. They reinvented, you know, when you see CSI movies on TV, Gene Chips. Uh, so gene chip are the size of um, credit cards, really. And uh, where my stubby hand is, they've got lots of little dimples in them, uh, which you put samples in. And you put the gene chip into a machine and it comes up with a ton of data. Astonishingly enough, all goes out into spreadsheets. Again, who knew? And the, guy, the, the interesting relevance there is the guy who founded the company, Dr. John Deepman, CEO actually, he he came he came up with this idea based on a conversation over beer with an Intel guy who is a software guy, you know, a computer guy, and Dr. Deepman's a PhD in genetics, and no one had ever thought about doing a crossover where you make a computer chip to mix with what's called wet biology. So in other words, they industrialized the biology of getting gene information out. And um, uh, Affymetrix was the first big company in this space. But to answer your question, to answer your question about what really stuck out, I was having to give a presentation in uh, Singapore and uh, John Deakman was there just before me. And and I'll I'll get to the big point for people in the finance team. The uh, organizers of the investment conference, like they all do, said, you know, just get to the point, keep it crisp, keep it less than 10 minutes, and the first presenter, MD, PhD, he had, oh gosh, 45 slides, each of which were packed with lots and lots of detail. 
And then he read out each line, you know. So nine and a half minutes in, he'd done about three. It was never going to work, right? You know, big point is Dr. John Deakman, who's this luminary in the field, he turned up with three slides, three slides. And uh, they wanted to know how do you build a fantastic company and finance team and all the rest of it. And the first slide just went up on the, do on the board, uh, on the screen, and it just said people. That's all it said. It, that size font, people. And he talked a bit about people for the first slide, and it was, uh, it, it was a, a wonder of eloquence. Just, and you, you absolutely listened into him, you know, like Dave Allen or something like that. It was just you're glued. And then he said, so I've got another slide, you know, he put the next slide up and it just said people. And it was the same slide. <laughs> and then he spoke very eloquently about a different aspect of it. And made his final slide came up and it just said people. <laughs> and that sounds message, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he got, you know, you walked away, I'm telling you today, 10 years later, with this colossal, simple message that you can't build a great finance team or a great company without getting great people. And one thing he said, which really struck home is he said, look, Brian, you know, guys like you and me, we build operational teams and that's what we do for a living. And you come in and you know, you, you can build a silk purse from a sow's ear, but wouldn't it be easier to start with silk? Mm. You know, and I just uh, really hit home and I realized, Life's much easier if you hire really good people that are really smart, especially for a startup like ours, and um, you get on with well. Just marvelous things happen, you know, and if you get the wrong people, or, you know, let's just not go there. So that was, you know, I guess a very articulate bloke at an investment conference always went away and remembered his pitch because it was so powerful and so simple just hire great people and you've done a very large amount of what's needed to grow a company. Sorry about the lecture, but you asked. So <laughs> No, I, I did. I did ask. And like, that's why we bring guest mentors uh, yeah. onto the show, Brian. It's, it's to get those insights, but uh -huh. really it comes back to people. And I believe there's, there's, there's increasing expectations being placed on uh -huh. business and finance teams within those businesses to up our games. I think that starts with people. It does. Uh, it then, does. then the people can develop the processes and the technology. And I think that's, sort of in your space now as a, as a startup, you're, you're looking into that area. So I guess really what's exciting you most about your current work? What I want to do is, is, <laughs> is not try and be a clever clogs and say, oh, it was all a brilliant bit of genius. It, when I came back to Britain, my other half is this extremely senior woman in finance, one of the most senior in, in Britain. And she was CEO of, uh, I'm not allowed to say legal in general, am I? I'm probably not. I don't know. She was uh, <laughs> a CEO of a very large insurance company. Um, she's a, an accountant and I was sitting around the, you know, one of these dinners, corporate dinners with all the other corporate wives, like the Dennis that show, you know, I'm sitting there <laughs> just having a tonic chatting to people and a very smart woman who's the CIO of, I'm not allowed to name the bank. It's our biggest customer, but a very large British bank had this PPI problem that, you know, the mis-selling problem. And um, she had, uh, you can't make this up, she had 250 retired bank managers, grey-haired like me, typing into one, one, one spreadsheet simultaneously because they had to do this funny, complicated business of uh, finding out who the people were they missold the in insurance to and then getting on the phone, a workflow really, you know. 
And she just had to, she, for whatever reason, she had to fix that problem. And with my rusty computer science degree and my entrepreneurial background, yeah, sure, we'll do that. Uh, we'll come up on Monday. It's a theme with me, Monday. And uh, I arrived and brought a, a buddy, a great guy who's with me right now, works with me right now. So we founded the company, um, Sign Apps, and we just went in and fixed this problem in various ways we can come on to. And then, yeah, this big bank's our biggest customer today. And the, I guess for me, what tends to happen is, which is just like people I met in Silicon Valley, like Larry Ellison, um, Tom Siebel, all these guys, you, you often found, found a company by pure accident. You know, Larry got a consulting project with the CIA the project was called Oracle, and then him and two buddies in 3000 Sand Hill Road, and um, one, of, one of his neighbors was a VC, gave him 80,000 bucks to help him with a divorce, and one, one, so he built this gigantic company. And it just happens, you know, you just, you, you get an opportunity, you get stuck in, there's no big vision, you just do stuff. And then here you go. I'm not meant to say things like this, am I? I meant to say it's all brilliantly thought through, but it's not true. It's not true, but like let's let's you know, but like obviously you've had to build process and technology to go oh, and yeah. support your biggest customer in that scenario. And you know, you mentioned it was you know great companies are founded on great people. So what you you know, let's say we've got finance leaders out there looking for great people. Like yeah. what should they be looking for? You know, what 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 defines a great person that that would do the necessary process and technology work to build a great company? Well, that's a, that is a really hard question. Well, I mean, it depends on the discipline, but um, it, it, in finance, which I'm not a, a, an accountant, um, generally speaking, you know, in building a company, um, especially the area I'm in, which is the so-called software as a service, SaaS and FinTech, um, we, we only deal with uh, accountants in our business, our customers are all the finance team of companies, big and small. And so the sort of people we need, as my other half tells me, is accountants quite rightly hate salespeople coming along and being dimwitted. It's just, they're far too clever for all that rubbish. So we don't have any. We don't have any. We've got very bright computer scientists who um, now understand the, you know, the stuff we've built for you know, the finance department. And we just have conversations with people. And if the, if the equation is economically sensible, which finance people understand in a, in a hundredth of a second, it can all work out very well. So the, the generality from me, and it's a bit high level, is if you, for, for me, in a, in a startup, I suppose we've just raised 890,000, uh, raised about three, four million so far. There's about 25 of us. For me so far, what really works is hiring very, very smart people uh, because very, very smart people can be more agile and quick and cope with lots of confusion very well. And that just happens to be for me. Other, other companies, if you're growing McDonald's or something, um, Big Macs, you, it's a different profile. But for fintech startups, you, you've got to have really bright people who've got pretty good social skills. And they may not even have uh, lots and lots of domain expertise at the start. But those are the two minimum criteria for me. 
Yeah, I, I, I like I like that, Brian. In fact, I think you used the word conversations as well. And uh, it's so funny because I've just written an article that uh, like sales is a dirty word in some finance circles. You know, the idea of selling. And yeah. that's one thing that drew me to you was actually, you know, you, you're not trying to, to pitch a product or anything like that or, or sell anything to me. It was actually just had a really great conversation. Huh. Well, a yeah, lot in common. Yeah, there right, so how we can add value. No, the, well, you're right about conversation and selling. I mean... Um, None of us are naive, and in finance in particular, as I say, you know, my other half, um, all accountants I speak to are, are antigenically sensitized, like hay fever, against, against salespeople because it's so crass. And especially if you're building a fintech solution, so we're working with the Bank of England at the moment, and you just go and have a chat with them. And they, you know, it's fantastic what they tell you they're doing. And there are some big problems and we may be able to fix some bits of that. And then if it all dovetails together, that'll work. And if it doesn't, it won't. You know, why do you need someone just to come in and, well, tell fibs and just, you know, they're so obviously over the top, some of these. They're like car salesmen. I just can't stand them. Yeah, there's that, there's that image. So, so look, I mean, ultimately it comes back to solving problems for people, yeah. as you mentioned there, Bank of England. So, <laughs> so like, how, how are you solving problems for your, your, your finance customers, in effect? Well, yes, it, again, purely by accident with this um, big bank, discovered that, everyone knows this, by the way, the entire world of finance is, uh, is built on spreadsheets. You know, it is. And generally speaking, another thing, that, without trying to be provocative, is that the finance team are, are, are bright. You know, they just are. I know these days you're not allowed to say that, but it's true. They're considerably brighter than a lot of the rest of the departments in business. And yet the IT department, who are often, how shall I say, not well-liked by finance, come along and say, thou shall not use spreadsheets. Thou are very bad, wrong, it's not right. You are, you are stupid. And of course, they're not stupid, you know. So there's this dichotomy of you need to use spreadsheets in finance for so many different possible purposes. How, how many hours have you got? And yet they have got obvious downsides, you know, when you get multiple people trying to use them and, and lots of other problems. As you see sensationalist headlines in the FT and other journals all the time saying, oh, you know, someone lost tens of hundreds of millions. So we just got stuck straight in to solve the fundamental problem. And I promise I won't do a sales pitch, but so we built something which when we show it to the finance people, they love it. <laughs> you have a spreadsheet on your desk and you type into it and it captures all the stuff you type in and it ripples through to Fred who's in New York or Mary who's in Sydney and everyone gets a single view of the truth. That's it, summary, pitch, you know. Um, and when we solved that problem, then uh, within limits, the world beats it past your door in simple terms, you know? You, you don't need to, we just sit with people, chat with them and, um, and they explain what they're doing. And there are, such, there are such bonkers things happening with gigantic schemes of spreadsheets everywhere. I mean, every, every meeting's quite hilarious, quite a good laugh, in a good way. Yeah, I, 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 yeah in a good way, I just, I think, you know, Maybe we just don't appreciate the. I mean, we see it firsthand, and we just think our company is different, or our business is different. Well, there's a lot of businesses out there that rely on spreadsheets to run them. You know, small, yeah. medium, or large. You know, we so think, so look. We think it might be about um thirty, forty 
percent of people of companies uh, certainly right up to just below the very large who they use spreadsheets pervasively throughout the you know the monthly financial close process and even the gigantic ones um, I was in the main offices of British Petroleum and vast offices all around the world and it's all spreadsheets you can't make this up and they're not and they're not dim-witted people they are absolutely not it's not it, it they use, you said it's a dichotomy it is it is and um so we just have we're having a blast um uh doing this and um and the bank of england they won't mind me saying this because it's in the public record so when you go into the bank of england in threadneedle street um as you go in and uh, you go through security, you look down a big uh, uh, staircase that goes down, gosh, about 50 feet below street level. There's an ancient Roman tiled terrazzo floor, you know, from two and a half thousand years ago. And uh, why am I telling you? It's just fun. And the chief economist there, Oliver, is I don't know, mid 30s, and there's a whole floor full of people uh, getting information from all the other banks in Britain. European bank and it's all spreadsheets <laughs> it's the best fun you know but really complicated models uh, yeah yeah of course capital adequacy on all these banks it's all spreadsheets it's, it's the best fun sorry yeah, I'm yeah, going no, no no hey no it's great experience I, I, I was only supplement that with you know there's an awful lot of large multinationals you mentioned BP there's others I can think of as well yeah they they do their long range planning or their budgeting on spreadsheets oh, as well. So you know, and yeah. and it's funny. There's a common problem. I think you nailed it. Is is like, what's this one version of the truth? Single yeah. version of the truth? Yeah. The Bible, the Red Book, whatever people want to call it. Yeah. You know, it's a pervasive problem created of our own doing <laughs> as accountants. Um, but we're bright people. We'll solve it. And it sounds like you've got a solution that's uh, helping helping finance people and and freeing them up to do the. The more fun things like have conversations which is where i i suppose people will um how do you say be able to prove how good they are how bright they are and like yes. that's one yes. frustration i have brian is is that as accountants and finance professionals we tend to shy away we tend to get stuck in our spreadsheets uh, rather than think about how can we quickly um or, or limit our time in the spreadsheets and take the insight from them and then have conversations with people about it because that's yes. what whether it be sales ops or, or or board members that's what they value is the conversations what does it all mean um not not yeah. how did you do that in a spreadsheet <laughs> yeah well i i hear exactly what you say so you know my other half i'm very proud of her and she she talks to groups of women accountants dotted around the place and and she says a lot of the feedback is you've got very bright people but they they undersell themselves you know the quiet geniuses sitting there doing stuff but unlike, you know, the equivalent men, certainly men in marketing or something, who just, yeah, I'm wonderful, I'm really good. They're sitting quietly doing stuff, but no one would know, you know. So uh, the yeah, no, getting using the spreadsheet to get 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 the results out, and then um, actually doing some thinking based on it. No, it, it it's a cliche, but it's completely true. And I, I won't bore you with stuff, but we're seeing crazy examples of. Um, uh, very quickly so gigantic farming company we're dealing with and the the cfo and a whole team of about oh, 10 or 12 of them just in britain they send drones up in the air to go over to go and have a look at the uh the developing cos lettuces are 90 odd crops and they can the accountants can see when the lettuces are just changing color just enough to 
most economic to harvest and it's all it's all spreadsheets so i really there's an accounting concept they've got called stock in ground who knew so the stock in the biggest collection of gigantic spreadsheets it's great fun i don't know i've gone off topic there but you know and no, I love it. I love it. Look, um, but but no, you've shared great advice, painted fantastic pictures for us. I I hope uh, our audience see that as well, because I obviously we're on a video link here, but it's 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 great. I love the way you're you're, you're sort of giving us clear images, uh, Brian. And I suppose you've been really great at giving us advice. I mean, what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? Well, you know, I told you um, it was a tactical thing. This thing about the you know presentations, as the Americans call it. You know, just to sort of get straight to the point and tell people and make sure they really got it and so when they dragged me out to silicon valley the uh the vcs said so like you're a great guy you know we get this whole thing but you know less words less words no words and uh i had a whole series of three thousand bucks a day very expensive acting and voice and whatever well, no, they do that. You know, they take off very smart women typically, and they'll go less words, get to the point. And especially when you're raising funding, or if you've got an important presentation with your boss, um, so often. So the best advice I could possibly give is: so often you, you're chatting with people, and what you want is the summary first. You know, don't give me a life story first of all. I have to through to get so get to the so briefly chatting with a great investor somewhere in new york one day he said so i get this guy coming the other day he spends 20 minutes telling me all about the wiring and this complicated thing and then some other stuff and, and the vc turned around and said so let me get this right you make and sell software and and the and the entrepreneur go yeah yeah i've been telling you that no you me that you told me all this stuff so i think get to the point and uh so people as rapidly as possible can find out what you're going on about and yeah that helps a ton i think yeah no no but it's it's yeah but you included a very good story as well fairness here brian so look uh there's a good context there and in terms of your journey would you uh, read much in the way of books or look at particular documentaries that uh, that might be useful to share as well that you found useful i stopped watching television 25 years ago i uh i occasionally my other half and i might watch netflix i stopped reading newspapers about 15 years ago because it was all the same dribble i since I was since I was tiny, I've just read. So I read books all day, every day. I just do, but they're not business help books, really. You know, there's all sorts of weirdness. So no, I I, I no, it's a tough question, and uh, it, it requires a more measured response. But uh, I think I think if if accountants knew how to present better, including themselves in a non-salesy way, but in a professional way to say, hey, look, I'm here. I'm really actually great at this and I can make this big improvement to the business rather than maybe concentrating on all the past stuff. Uh, how long have you got? I mean, I think the one perception of a, accountants tell me is that sometimes they're viewed as pathologists telling you all about the reason someone's died. And what you actually want is the 
future to be physicians to say, well, let's do this thing. So I recently hired a guy in who's um, uh, a management accountant, a Bristol management accountant, Deloitte's, but actually he, a very unusual accountant. He'd been a startup guy. He's just gone off to Singapore now. And he just dived in with us. We've got real-time screens on the wall in our offices of the whole you know, business engagement process as well as engineering. And he, he was just diving in, making all that work. It's just common sense. So, so we hired him in because we wanted the accounting brain as well as you know, the organizational brain. And um, I'm rambling. Um, but I, th I think a hybrid, like my Scouser guy, who's now doing this again for a new SaaS company, the, the best job, I reckon, for an accountant is CFO, COO, the two together in one body, is a, a great combo because you've got to have the accounting brain, otherwise you're just fluff. You know, you don't understand the numbers. But if you can then meld in the processes, and I'm, I've been trying to find the ideal CFO, COO uh, back here in Britain. And it, it's it's been very difficult because you can get them for a big company, but companies it's trickier. Anyway, there you go. No, I I like that. Actually, we had um, a podcast guest on very recently. I used to work with him. He's the CXO. Is is you know is what it goes because he's he's had those different seats because you've got yeah. the accounting brain as you said, Brian, and the organizational one. Yeah, I love that description of. The pathologist versus the physician. Yes. That's a massive struggle yes. for accountants. Yes. Yeah. Finance professionals. I, I think a lot of us can relate to that. So no uh, thank you for, for summarizing it like that. Uh, and in terms of in terms of uh, if uh, our audience wish to continue the conversation, where's the best place to connect with you at? Couldn't possibly tell you because that'd be selling and we just don't that's, that's <laughs> vulgar. No, no. We um uh we, we founded the company, it's uh Synapse in British pronunciation, the Americans call it Synapse, but the Brits uh, discovered it 100 years ago. So Synapse, um, and I guess we're on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'd be happy to chat um, at any time and um, do spreadsheet stories. Hey, look, Brian, that's, that's awesome. And uh, I suppose, look, any other, I know you've been really great with your advice. You know, your, your main customers are accountants and finance professionals, so it's great to have that outside in perspective. So look, Thank you so much, Brian, for your investment no, and time and for sharing. And yeah, um, thank you for coming on the show today. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs, there's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. And when all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care.
and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.